I went into a lecture one day, and it and the, they gave out a paper, and the title was "Tax Can Be Fun." <laughs> <laughs> and then I kind of, and I sort of had this uh, this moment where um, I just thought, I'm not sure about this. I don't agree with that statement. <laughs> and uh, no disrespect to anyone who's interested in accounting and tax, whatever. Great, right. great, great career, but. For me, anyway, at, the mo at that moment, at that age, I just thought, no, that's not, that's not what I want. This week on our podcast, we're featuring Greg March, who is the Business Development Manager for Impact HK, an NGO that seeks to bring an awareness to the struggle of the homeless population in Hong Kong. Our conversation focused on Greg's long journey to Impact HK, and you might say it's almost like a prequel. There are so many resonant elements to Greg's story, which is much more the norm in career paths than the outlier, which is that he didn't have a master plan and basically zigzagged his way through his professional life before ultimately coming to a place where he knew he wanted a job doing something more meaningful. That insight and subsequent choice to take a leap into the world of social enterprise has turned out remarkably well for Greg. In addition to being part of a number of Hong Kong's more successful social enterprise initiatives, Greg also managed to become a children's book author, writing three books based on Zen parables. And in fact, the way I came to even know Greg was through those very books, which my son loves, and I can't suggest them strongly enough. In fact, if you're in Hong Kong, go down to Bookazine and you can find them. Uh, I would suggest starting with The Dog Who Chased His Tail. Anyhow, if you were to look at Greg's past so far through the lens of script writing, you might say his inciting incident came when he was a young man in London having come into a bit of money from a rich aunt who passed away. And like so many moments in our life, something seems to have conspired for him, and that a friend who just happened to be living in Hong Kong at the exact same time he came into some money extended an invitation for him to come stay at his flat for a while. Here we have a confluence of uncontrollable factors teeing up our young protagonist's dilemma, and all memorable characters are defined through choices they make under pressure. Greg did something most young people should do. He took that great leap into the unknown, not only in accepting the invitation, but buying an open-ended ticket with no definitive date of return. The rest, as they say, is history. I'd also like to add in a small editorial note here. I had to abruptly end our conversation because Greg was scheduled to give a presentation to the entire high school and I had lost track of time. So I suddenly realized that and then I just cut it off. So if the ending uh, sounds a little bit awkward, it's because it was. Anyhow, let's get to the conversation. Okay, so from, from secondary school, okay, yeah. so, so I, I grew up in London and um, I went to um, a comprehensive school in, 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 uh, in London and um, um, pretty good experience at school really. Um, I think, you know, pretty, pretty decent school and um, um, I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed school um, I, but I didn't, I didn't have I didn't have much focus on on what I what what I wanted to do or what I was interested right. in. I, I always questioned that. I never knew. I never really. I can't ever remember thinking, "Oh, I, I want to be, you know, an astronaut or something like." Right. Maybe when I was much younger, but actually, when I was really young, I wanted to be a milkman. <laughs> and I did. I did help the, the local milkman when I was a kid. So you but got some job experience, and then you're like, "Okay, no, thank you." I got job experience <laughs> from a very young age as a milkman, and I did paper rounds and. Yeah. Um, I had two paper rounds. I worked in a green grocery shop. Um, you know, I did loads of loads of jobs when I was younger yeah. with pocket money, um, which was good experience. Um, 
but all of them not not great. <laughs> not great. Well, and how did it work? How did the UK system work back then? So it was was it it was a different. Would they call it O levels? Is that right? What it was? Yeah, it? that's right. It was O levels. Uh, secondary school was O levels. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which became JCSEs. And okay. Then, and then um, and then after that was A levels at, at sixth form college. Okay. So this, when you were at sixth form, you had to th pick three subjects. That's right. So which were what were your three subjects? So I basically I, I was I, I'm pr I was I'm pretty good at maths. So. Yep. Um, and and I'm interested in business. I was interested in business, and so I basically I, I chose business studies, maths, economics, and and I ended up doing AS level accounting, well, which is like half an A level. Okay. So, did, so very very you know numerical <laughs> business focused yeah. subjects, but all based on the fact that um, that that I was just good at I was quite good at numbers. Right. You know and. Um, and so, um, but I, I enjoyed I enjoyed those subjects actually. I enjoyed all of those subjects apart from A level maths. When I when I started, when I started A level maths, um, I had it in my head that I might try and go on to do a maths degree at university. Right. As soon as I started A level maths, I was like, no way, <laughs> this is already too hard for me. Yeah. Uh, I really struggled with some of the concepts, the ab more the abstract concepts, yeah. and I just it just really put me off. But I, w I, w I was like really good at sort of like stats and things like that and accounting and stuff. So, yeah. so that kind of got me through, it got me through that. And um, then you made your university choice, uh, your course that you wanted to pursue based on that. I'm assuming. Y yes, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, and um, um, and so again, I kind of I wasn't quite sure, but I thought, well, I just continue with this this path, and um, and then and actually around around that age. Um, you know, I was 16 to 18 and discovering uh, I could go out and, you know, uh, go out and party and stuff like that, you know, yeah, yeah. 18 year old or whatever. But, um, and unfortunately that, that, that took over a bit in, yeah. in my life at that time. Um, right. And, um, you know, I try not to have any regrets, but I guess, you know, I do look back and I think, well, I definitely could have done better. I sure. did, you know, I didn't apply myself. What did you choose for university? So what I did, what I did is I, I chose, um, I applied for a few universities based on based on the grades that I th that the teachers thought I was going to get, right? And they were kind of it was business basically business studies yeah. related, and um, and I got I you know I got interviews and accepted at, at a number of good universities, um, but then my grades didn't live up to the expectations. Oh, you didn't meet the predictions. I didn't meet the predictions, oh, and like okay. some of my my lecturers were kind of like a bit you know annoyed at me actually you know? right. I was annoyed at myself but I was just like you know anyway that was 18 year old sort of thing stuff so you're having too much fun yeah I was really yeah, yeah. and um, and um, so yeah I didn't really apply myself unfortunately at that kind of crucial stage yeah and um, but um, there was a there was a course that there used to be polytechnics in in the UK right. uh, that became universities right about so that so I, I went to Bristol there was a there was a course called a new course called financial services yeah being introduced at um, uh, which was Bristol Poly which turned into the University of the West of England um, in Bristol um, which is now a university at the time and so I, uh, I applied for, because it was a new course there was places so I applied for it through clearing the clearing process yep. and uh, and got on so I um, so and all, all my friends were all leaving um, the pl South London where I grew up and I thought I don't really want to be hanging around here if all my friends are leaving right <laughs> and so it, you know honestly that was my th thinking at the time yep. and I just thought all right. Well, I'm not sure about about this course. Is it right for me or not? You know. But anyway, I just accepted it and, and started it, 
and um, and I went off to Bristol and um, and again you know I mean um, ha- kind of kind of had a great <laughs> had a great time yeah. <laughs> at university but I only st- I only actually stayed for a year and a half yeah so I, I passed through the first year the first year was kind of like a um, almost like a revision of my A levels really and I passed all those quite well all those um, the subjects so I got through you know almost like you know I'd be on a trajectory for kind of like a first you know in that in that you know in yep. terms of the re- results that I got because it was kind of revision of my A levels yeah. so the results were quite good and I passed through to the second year apart from one module which I struggled with but I retook it and it was, it was okay so I moved through went into the second year and then I was on the second year, and and I was just feeling like this is just it. It just wasn't it. Just wasn't doing it for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I just wasn't. It, I just kind of had this realization, kind of awakening. I, I don't really want to go down this path. I yeah. don't think. Yeah. And um, and basically, and there was a number of reasons, but I I I, I decided to leave. Yeah. And I left the course um, in the second year, and I thought I thought I'll, I'll come back. I'll come back to this. That's what I thought in my right. head. You know. And, uh, you and, feel like uh, you were yearning to get out into the world and just get yeah. to work and just see what that was like. I think it was, you know, actually there was a bit of guilt as well. I was kind of like, you know, it was my parents' money and stuff like that. Right. And I was thinking, I'm bit, I'm bit, being a bit of a waster here. I'm kind of, you know, yeah. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not, re- I'm not applying myself. I'm not really doing a course that I want to be doing. Yeah. Like, should I be really just carry on spending this money? Yeah. So um, that was part of it. Yeah. To be honest, and yeah, a number of reasons, but so I kind of. You know, very sadly left actually. Yeah. You know, because I've made some amazing friends there, and they're, they're still friends to this day. Yeah, um, some of the best friends I've ever made from university. You know, so well, it's kind of it has worked out though, hasn't it? Oh yeah, in the long run. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'm just sharing this as sort of background, but yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, that was a bit of a troubled time, I'd say. Right. Uh, in some, in lots of ways, for me, um, and and so I went back sort of like I went back home with my tail between my legs and um, back to my parents and yeah. uh, you know the last thing I wanted to do to be honest and and got a job in in in, um, in South London temporary job um, working for the 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 the, um, the, uh, the what do you call it the Channel Tunnel was being built between France and, yeah. and England at the time and I got a job related to that still in an office but but related to that project and um, anyway, so I did that for a little while, and um, I was coming up to my 21st birthday, and my my rich auntie gave me some money um, as a you know as a 21st birthday present. My dad was working for British Airways at the time, so I had cheap cheap tickets um, on yeah. flights, and um, and I had a friend who was living in Hong Kong, um, who was working here, <coughs> had a flat, he had a spare room. And he said, you know, if ever you want to um, come for a holiday, just, just, you know, there's a room here for you. Right. So it was all just like pointing towards, you know. <laughs> what, so what year would that have been? Sorry? What year would that have been? That was 1994. So it's before the handover. Before the handover. And it's also, I've, I've come to understand that back then if you were a British citizen, you could come here and live. They gave you a window without a work visa, so you Absolutely. could come and live before you had a job. Exactly. You could come and live here. Um, I mean, certainly come for a holiday and, um, you know, and, and stay, have an extended stay, and you could work without a work visa yeah. as a okay. British, uh, with a British passport. Sort of right. Thing. So I wasn't sure what I, what I was going to do, to be honest, but I had, a, I had an open 
return ticket flight and um, some money in my pocket and a place to stay <laughs> and I kind of had it in the back of my mind that I, I might sort of um, maybe maybe try and earn some money in Hong Kong like and um, traveling money basically right and then I kind of had a travel travel bug and um, and I was thinking I might try and get onto Australia for some reason I had that in my sights and um, but never made it to Australia <laughs> and um, and then I arrived in Hong Kong and me and my friend sort of went out on the town the first night I arrived just to sort of, you know, go out and see each other and experience Hong Kong for the first time. And his friend was um, a manager of a, of a bar and that we went to, went to and, and, he said, and we just chatted and he said, oh, what are you up to? And I said, I'm not sure to be honest, but, you know, and um, he said, well, look, if you're looking for work, I've got a, I've got a job here if you need any work. I was like, oh, cool. So <laughs> I just started doing bar work um, as soon as I arrived. Wow. And um, And that was just like, that was just a, it just took a different trajectory for a while <laughs> right and um uh, and i ended up actually do it doing that for a couple of years and um sort of you know just saving money and having fun as well and yeah. um and then going off traveling and traveling in philippines and thailand and um stuff like that you know so i did that for a couple of years to be honest so i kind of had a almost a couple of years out kind of traveling right you know which um I don't. I don't regret at all. You know, really, really enjoyed that time. Um, but you know, at the back of the mind, I, at the back of my mind, I was kind of thinking, "What, what am I doing? What am I doing here?" You know, I sort of. What's the long term? Yeah, what's the long term? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there wasn't really a long term strategy. Yeah. So I thought. Um, I thought. I kind of felt like I better. I better go home. That's that's kind of the feeling that I had. Right. And um, so I, I. I came. I came back to. I went back to England, and. Um, after a few years, you know, living in Hong Kong, and um, and then it was just again, it was just kind of, and I thought I'll try and get, you know, try and get a job in London and see, see, you know, and but then I just got back, and a friend of mine was working at this, um, you know, quite a good company, this publishing and events company yeah. in London, and he said, you know, we need we need some sort of temporary support if you want, and like just get your feet back on the ground, sort of right. thing. So I did that. I got a job there, like again, almost overnight, you know, and started working there, and um, and and really, really enjoyed it. It was really, really good fun. It was a kind of a lively. I was in the events division. Right. It was a lively <laughs> international events co company, basically, uh -huh. quite a big, you know, big organization. And then, and then, you know, I got on really well with the team, and um, and the, and the, the managing director said, "Look, there's a full-time position." coming up in the marketing department would you like to um get, get you know give it a go i was like yeah definitely i'm you know it sounds really good it, it felt like it felt like a sort of a bit of a career path sort of opening up yeah like, but it wasn't planned again you know yes. it was you know and um so it was very much you know following my nose all the time you know and uh it was, but um so it's twisted and turned quite a lot right but i ended up working in that in that industry for um or at least 15 years yeah um, and basically I try I just you know I, I was based in London um, and I worked for, but I worked for them for five five years in London and then an opening came up in Hong Kong again in the Hong Kong office with that company yeah and I was single at the time and I had experience with Hong Kong loved Hong Kong and I, so I just put my hand up and and I came back to Hong Kong with with that company this that time and so, and then I, I just stayed, and then, and then I met my wife, who's from you know Hong Kong, and yeah. and, and, and another another sort of path opened up. Right, <laughs> I've got two kids, and you know, live in Hong Kong. Life and, just sort of happens at that point. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, 
Um, well, at some point, Greg, you, you it sounds like you uh, you probably you're going to encounter a moment where mm. you you feel like maybe you need there's something missing from mm -hmm. the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And maybe talk a little bit about that process. Mm. We've only got about five minutes left, and I'm curious to yeah. hear that part of the story. Absolutely, absolutely. So, this whole this whole time, I kind of had this sense that, that I was doing the wrong thing, <laughs> career-wise, you know, or ac <laughs> academically and career-wise. Yeah. But I just kind of it just unfolded, and so I. But I always had this sense in the back of my mind, or my gut feeling, or whatever it was. There was always something nagging there that there was like I always felt like I I wanted to do something a bit more maybe socially orientated yeah um and and actually i explored counseling for a while and i got i got, I got a certificate in counseling and uh, so i did go back to education and, and did that um, while i was in london actually i did that so i was kind of exploring that as well and i felt yeah. i felt drawn to doing like some counseling or something like that but then you know that kind of um you know that's still there actually that's still there that may come in the future maybe but um, but also I wanted to do something with with more purpose and more social purpose right it, it, it kind of almost in whatever capacity I, I couldn't quite work it out I don't know why yeah um, but um, but I felt drawn to sort of charities and, and the NGO world and and lots of lots of things happened actually when 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 my kids came along I wanted to, I wanted to sort of have a big change in my life, and so, um, so actually, I, I stopped drinking alcohol. Yeah. And um, uh, you know, the event, the event industry was um, was quite. Uh, you know, there's a lot of entertainment and flying right. around the world. A lot of drinking. A lot of drinking yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I just had enough of it basically, yeah. and I didn't feel very healthy, and had to, you know two young kids and a family, and I just thought I, I want to change now. I want to change. It's yeah. time to change. I was 40 years old, and um, and I just thought this is a good good time, good marker, yeah. and um, and I just thought that would be healthier for me and my kids and my family. And so lots of things started to open up, and I I started to do more meditation, and um, um, and trying to change what I was doing. So I actually tried to I tried to start my own little business as like a little sort of freelance consultancy, with you know using my skills. In marketing and stuff, and, and but pointing them towards um, NGOs, and and I did that for a while, and I was you know that, that was it was it was okay, it was you know sort of surviving kind of thing, but yeah, um, but it was quite hard to break into into the NGO world actually, it was quite quite competitive and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, um, the service I was offering, what didn't seem to fit them because they had in in house they would do it in house right or, or whatever. So so I basically I. Um, but that through that experience, I, I started to get make contacts with NGOs and mm -hmm. people in NGOs, and be, started to be introduced to people. And I met, um, was introduced to David David Nesbit from the Nesbit Centre. Um, are you familiar with Nesbit? I, I just became familiar with oh, him good. last week. So. Good, good, yeah. excellent. So I, I so I was very lucky to meet David Nesbit, who's the founder of the Nesbit Centre, 27 yeah. years ago. He founded it, for, and um, and I, and I. Very, again, very luckily, you know, I got managed to get a job with with them for two and a half years, and that was really that was really my um, introduction to the NGO scene, uh, you know, world, and um, and um, and so I it kind of, you know, I felt like, you know, very very grateful to be sort of given the opportunity to try and. I, 
you know, I very much focused on that. For for one, you know, for once in my life, I was very focused on. I really wanted to try and try and get to to, right. get, to make that break into doing something that was a bit more meaningful for me or right. purpose. It was some kind of social purpose. It sounds like you had a goal. Yeah, I did. You I know, did. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think I, would, I can relate with that because it took yeah. me a while to have a goal as well. You absolutely. know, just sort of bouncing from one thing to another. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I really did feel like I had had a goal then. Yeah, I, did, I had a goal to get get into an NGO. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I made it, and and I was really really pleased with that. You know, and um, yeah. you know, I, you know, I had to. It's been tough, to be honest. It's been it's been tough. Yeah, it's been tough. Yeah, you know, big big pay cut, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. So I'm not yeah. doing it for the money, you know. But um, um, and um, but I I really really enjoyed it. But I do I must say, I do I do find it draining. Yeah, I do find it do quite quite draining work. You're quite emotionally involved and yep. stuff like that. And traditionally, you know, typically um, NGOs have le less resources and manpower and stuff like that. So everyone's a bit right. stretched. Wearing lots of different hats, all that kind of stuff. Right, quite draining work, but um, but great, very rewarding, very yeah. rewarding in lots of lots of ways. And so right. I worked for the Nesbit Centre for about two and a half years, and I helped with their social enterprises. Yeah, um, Cafe Eight. Cafe Eight. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cafe I eight. have a, a lunch scheduled at Cafe Eight next week. Excellent, excellent, yeah. great. Yeah, so Cafe Eight, which is a fantastic place. And the two Nest coffee shops as well in in, in uh, St John's Cathedral and St Andrew's Church in Kowloon, okay. and also then I, I was very much part of the the Nest Bakery project. Okay. And so I helped um, was part of the team to help um, start the Nest Bakery. Yeah. And develop it and stuff like that, which is you know going well. Yeah, because I'm not, you know I'm not a social worker, so I don't have those qualifications within an NGO, but I can, but I do have you know good commercial experience right and so I can use that I can use that to sort of hopefully help support the growth of social enterprises yeah um, for for NGOs and I, re I really like that um, I really like that um, opportunity and I, li I, li I like kind of you know circular economy and 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 trying to create opportunities for people that that maybe uh, you know, don't have this, don't have the same opportunities right. as, as as others. You right, know? and and so they might need a bit of support with that as well. So I really like that. Yeah, I love that ethos. You get that sense in Hong Kong because uh, most of us expats are so privileged mm. in our backgrounds and where we come from and yes. how we ended up here. And yeah, and you tend to forget that there's a local population here. You tend to forget that yeah. there's a mm. there's an at risk population here because you the mm. expat community runs in small circles. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um, so that must have been, I imagine, quite eye opening for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. And and particularly now because. Um, and then I, I, I kind of I had my eye on Impact HK, the charity that I work for now, yeah. and I've been watching it develop. It's a four-year-old charity, and um, Jeff Rotmeyer, uh, the founder, started it around four years ago, and it's grown massively, and it's it's growing very fast. And I've been I've been watching it since the beginning. I've had an interest in it. Yeah, I've got personal reasons, for, you know, for it connected to family and stuff like that. But um, so I've always had an eye on it, and. Um, uh, and it's always I've always related to it and felt quite. So I, I, a long time ago, I became a, a donor. So I've always been a, like a small donor to the, just a small monthly contribution. Yeah. You know? So I've always had my eye on it anyway, and um, felt drawn to it. And so anyway, I met Jeff through through doing an event at Cafe Eight. He came to Cafe Eight and did an event there for his another charity, Love Twenty One yeah. Foundation, and. Um, 
and so that's where I first met him, and we, you know, we met a few times, and, and I just expressed an interest, and and then you know, then I, and and I know he's got he's got visions for for really growing the social enterprises, which is my passion as well. Right. And so you know, that's that's why I made the transition from from the Nesbit Centre to to Impact HK, and then really got you know opened up uh, to to the you know talking about the um, you know the population in the homeless population in, right. in Hong Kong. Is uh, you know that's real, real, real eye opener as well, and um, very um, kind of hidden in Hong Kong. Yeah. You know, talk about the the bubble of sort of privilege and the poverty yeah. there is is it's so extreme. Right. And when you see it, you know, we do, we do these, these these kindness walks every day on the street in, in Hong Kong, and um, our organisation and our volunteers do. And um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's an eye opener. Definitely, it's a good experience do that well I hate to cut us off but I have to because right. you've got to go do a presentation now okay so thank okay. you so much no Greg problem. I really no appreciate problem. the conversation no and your time yeah no problem